Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ruben Cut. We'll be taking a brief break from my continuing coverage of uh, Trump's Agenda 47, because I saw Oppenheimer last night, and I've got to tell you about this movie. First of all, do go see it. Let's just put that right out there in the front. Go see Oppenheimer. I mean, it's rated R, so which is the first time for... Uh, it's actually, I think it's the first... Oh, wait, no. No, I know. Memento was rated R. Memento was rated R. Man, it's been a while since uh, Christopher Nolan did an R-rated movie, which seems strange because it's not like he makes movies that are very, you know, uh, kid-friendly or open to, you know, built for families. But Oppenheimer is also unique because it's also non-fiction movie which i'm not gonna lie made me hesitant going into it a little bit and i mean i knew i needed to see it because i love i love christopher nolan movies christopher nolan pretty much always delivers for me it it means a lot what i can say that a director's weakest film is uh insomnia which isn't even bad it just seems unexceptional compared to everything else he's ever done it's actually a uh, rather, well, I mean, it's been a while since I saw it, but when I saw it, it was a good thriller. Val Pacino and Robin Williams. Also one of them Robin Williams playing the bad guy movies, which he only did a few of. Although I assume because, you know, Robin Williams may or may not have ever gotten over not getting the part of the Joker. Fun fact, John Lithgow also almost played the Joker. I kind of wish I'd gotten to see that. But I'm getting sidetracked. This is, of course, a biopic, Robert J. Oppenheimer, which is also another reason I was hesitant to go see it. Well, I, I wasn't actually hesitant to go see it, like I said, but like normally that would be a thing that made me go, uh, I don't know. I mean, I saw Chevalier earlier this year, and that's a biopic, and I thought that was great. I don't know why. There's a part of me that's like, yeah, I don't know if I need to see a biopic. I, I don't know what bothers me about that exactly. Whether it's that I think it'll be dull or that I'm constantly annoyed when I go to see a biopic and then find out later, oh, they made that part up for the movie. And I'm like, son of a bitch. My understanding is that Robert, is that the Oppenheimer movie do, does follow the autobiography, not the autobiography, sorry, just the biography of Oppenheimer really well, which means, well, I haven't looked into exactly how historically accurate it is, and I assume the more intimate scenes are, you know, fictionalized reenactments of things we assume happened. And the film's got a pretty all-star cast. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. We'll get, we'll get into it uh, somewhat as I go through it. Uh, although, funnily enough that I mentioned Chevalier earlier, there is actually a character in here named Chevalier, a name I would not have known how to pronounce if they had not used it liberally in both movies. So what is Oppenheimer? Well, Oppenheimer is the story of Robert J. Oppenheimer, the guy who led the project to create the nuclear bomb. Dun, dun, dun. It's the biography of arguably one of the most important men of the 20th century as the film is quick to remind us. But what else is Oppenheimer? Well, it's a portrait of a man who felt like he had to do a thing to make sure the Nazis 
didn't do it first. And then once he understood the thing that he was doing, felt it had to be used, because only then would the world know not to use it. Of course, the nuclear bomb is part of the oldest joke ever told. The idea that mankind could create a weapon so terrible that people wouldn't want to fight wars anymore. Unfortunately, this joke has been running forever and has been the source of numerous weapons, including dynamite and the flamethrower, none of which stopped war. Fun fact, that's the story of the guy who created the Nobel Prize. The Nobel Peace Prize was created by a man who created dynamite. You know why? You know why? Because when he created dynamite, his idea was, well, if people start seeing this in war, no one will want to fight war. Except he was wrong. Dynamite didn't do that. Dynamite did the opposite of that. Dynamite became a fixture of war. Bombs and such. So he created the Nobel Peace Prize to try and make up for the fact that he unleashed dynamite on the world. Oof. But this is a story along the same lines. Robert J. Oppenheimer, the man who created the biggest bomb in history and who actively tried to stop the only bomb bigger than it, the hydrogen bomb. Now, before I get into anything that could be deemed even remotely spoilery, as I go into some of the characters and performances that are fantastic, uh, the acting is phenomenal in this movie, I have to say. And also some of the film, and also some of the film's politics and why the film's politics are actually you know, kind of super important. But I have to tell you right now, one of the things that makes me hesitant about biopics is because there's always this like, oh, it's going to be a slow thing where we just dart around in somebody's life. It could be like Shudder, The Fablemans, which was just, just a tedious drag of a pseudo biopic built around what could arguably consider an after-school special core. Ugh. Well, this movie is not that. Oppenheimer is certainly not that. Partly because Oppenheimer just grabs you from the very beginning and does not let go. It is the most intense biopic I've ever seen, which is wild. Now, to be fair, part of this is because Christopher Nolan is a genius. Christopher Nolan is someone who understands, like Alfred Hitchcock, if something's boring, you don't put it in the film. So what does he do? Well, he approaches it non-linearly. Why? Because it worked fucking great in most of his movies, including, but not limited to, Dunkirk. By having only the most exciting things happening at the same time, even though they do, are not happening in chronological order in Dunkirk, the film is never dull, even for a second. And Oppenheimer, kind of the way, kind of the same way. Jay, oh, it's... J. Robert Oppenheimer. I thought it was Robert J. Oppenheimer. Ugh, that's embarrassing. I have the cast up because there's just too many people in this movie for me not to have the cast up because it's fucking absurd how star-studded this movie is. The film, plot-wise, is split into essentially two elements. The film follows two, two people. Two people who essentially would become kind of enemies. Although the film's not straightforward about this, but if you've read history, you you know, you know? I did not read the history before going in, so I did not know. I'm sorry if I'm about to spoil that for those who are history illiterate, who might have gotten some extra suspense out of this. But the film 
Starts off by introducing us to our protagonist, the first character, J. Robert Oppenheimer, whose memories and trials are in color, versus the antagonist of the film, who is introduced to a second classical Greek structuring there, Louis Strauss. Now, Robert Oppenheimer is played by Killian Murphy in a masterful, I mean, absurdly masterful performance. He's fucking great. Robert Downey Jr. plays Louis Strauss, uh, the antagonist. And this, okay, I'm going to be honest here. I was not someone who was heavily invested in Robert Downey Jr. prior to his MCU run. I, I, I just, I did not grow up watching his films. I don't know, maybe it was because I was a kid and Robert Downey Jr. didn't exactly do anything fun until he was out of jail. I mean, he did a lot of things that were fun before jail, but like they, they weren't the movies. They were his crimes. But <clears throat> Robert Downey Jr. served his time, which means the society says we have to forgive him. So let's move along. But Robert Downey Jr. is fucking great. In fact, as someone who, like I said, didn't start watching him before Iron Man, I actually have to say... This is the best performance I've ever seen Robert Downey Jr. give in his entire life. To be fair, like I said, not super familiar with his non-Iron Man filmography. I mean, I have seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but if you're going to compare his performance in that to this, then I'm going to slap you in the face. Because don't get me wrong, he's not bad in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but he's just fucking Robert Downey Jr. In this movie, he is... He, he, he is... If he is... Oh, you want to punch him in the face is good. It's so good. But the film like I was saying, uh, follows their lives. Now, the films are portrayed in, in an excellent piece of symmetry, which is that the film jumps back and forth between their two hearings. Robert Oppenheimer's hearing to try and keep his security clearance with the government, and uh, Louis Strauss's, Louis Strauss's uh, nomination to, ah, uh, fuck, what was it he was... What was he was trying to, what, what was it, uh, not agriculture, commerce? He was getting a cabinet position, and Congress had to decide whether or not to, uh, to let him into Congress. I'm not Congress, into the position, you know, like we do. And the film jumps back and forth between these. Like I said, Robert Oppenheimer's in color, Louis Strauss is in black and white. I feel like there's meaning here. My initial guess would be that Louis Strauss sees the world in black and white, and Robert Oppenheimer is the person working with the fuller perspective on the world and society. That's just the theory. Who knows? Maybe someone will come up with a better explanation for this. But the film follows the two men's lives. Well, I mean, that's not entirely fair. Louis Strauss's flashbacks are more to his experiences with Oppenheimer, and Oppenheimer's flashbacks cover uh, most of his life. So we learn about Oppenheimer's life and how he became the person in charge of the Manhattan Project, but also, also how Robert Oppenheimer was persecuted for his leftist politics and how ultimately the United States government continuously chose to try and use these, his political views as an excuse to oppress him. Because Robert Oppenheimer, while not a full communist, had many communist friends and had many sympathies towards communism itself. 
and was generally considered a very leftist person who repeatedly got in trouble for trying to unionize teachers in college. Robert Oppenheimer, in fact, separated himself from communism and his leftist tendencies, specifically to become part of the Manhattan Project. It was a sacrifice he made to be on this, on the project itself. Wait, what? Gary Old? Oh my God, that's who H Harry S. Truman was? Okay, guys, I'm sorry. Harry S. Truman is not a big part in the movie, but like he, when he's on screen, I spent the whole time going, who is this actor? I know this actor. Who the fuck is playing Truman right now? And now it's, you no, know, it's fucking Gary Oldman. Oh my God. Gary Oldman, you may have some problematic elements to you as a person, but you are phenomenally talented as an actor. Holy, I mean, they got makeup on him and stuff too, but holy God, I, it was driving me crazy in the theaters. Now, as we journey through Robert Oppenheimer's life, we also meet a widely star-studded cast. Cast. We meet uh, the first woman he was married to, uh, Jean Tatlock, played by Florence Powell, who is hot. I'm sorry, but like they are. And Killian Murphy and her have a very sexual relationship, which is, in all honesty, why the movie is rated R. They, they, the film is neither violent nor does it feature much in the way of. I mean, it has profanity, but it's not like. It's, it's not like people are just going like, yeah, those fucking Nazis. Can't wait till we have a fucking bomb to blow up those fucking Nazis. Yeah, shove this nuclear bomb right up their Nazi asses. Fuck those Nazis. No, it's, it, so the, the, the point is the, the amount of language that I was aware of was, was low. And I, and I made that tasteless uh, series of uh, jokery um, to illustrate that point. It probably wasn't necessary. But anyways... <clears throat> Uh, him and Florence Powell have a whole thing, and the whole deal is that she is a communist. His first wife is a straight-up communist. Although, to be fair, his second wife, Kitty Oppenheimer, played by Emily Blunt, was also a communist. He's just surrounded by communists. Now, she claims that she left the party uh, 18 years before the hearing that takes place in the film. And maybe she's telling the truth. I don't know. E Emily, Kitty Oppenheimer, I don't, I don't know how accurate any of this is but the basic implication is that kitty oppenheimer is kind of a cold hard bitch she loves robert oppenheimer but she is a hard ass woman um and, and, i mean she seems a lot less likable to me than uh than than gene who although in fairness gene has a lot more uh mental health issues than kitty kitty is just a drunk who doesn't take care of their kids very well and uh, also, you know, she, she's, she's kind of cold. She's kind of hard. Uh, you, you can view this as strength or her being a bitch. I don't, I don't know. I, I, her, kid, her character made me feel weird because I did find her character kind of unlikable at points. Um, strong woman, though. She won me over by the end. But, but there was a part of me that was like, are we, are we doing Kitty Oppenheimer dirty here? But, uh, but overall, I mean, Emily Blunt's great in the part. I just, I just, I don't know enough about the real person to fully judge how well they're portrayed in the movie in terms of the writing, if that makes any sense. But Killian Murphy, uh, we, we, we learn about his, his rise into collegiate, into the collegiate uh, realm 
where he became the first professor in New Mexico to have a uh, quantum to teach a quantum physics class, which we are told is a very big deal. Um, where he meets practical physicist uh, Ernest Lawrence, played by Josh Hartnett. Now, Ernest Lawrence is the sort of he's portrayed as being what is clearly he is not pro-communist. Um, he is not against Oppenheimer, but he throughout the film, he he makes it very clear that he while he agrees with unions for for labor based stuff, he doesn't think teachers need unions. He thinks that only like hard labor industries really need that. But Josh Hartnett is also great. If we don't start seeing Josh Hartnett and more stuff, I'll be kind of surprised. Kind of surprised. He's great. Oh, wait, I got to talk, talk about this. Oh, but also like there's so there's a lot of fizz, there's a lot of physicists, a lot of physicists in this movie played by a number of people, uh, including um, you may know him from Army of the Dead. I assume him being I assume Christopher Nolan being friends with Zack Snyder helped get this guy in the movie. But Matthias Schwigenhoff, Sch Schweighofer, Schweighofer, Schweighofer. I don't know. It's a very German name, but he plays uh, Werner Heisenberg uh, in the film. Uh, the, the physicist Heisenberg, uh, and he's he, he, there's a lot there's, there's there's a lot more people like him too. This film has wait a minute. Oh wait, no, never mind. Uh, now another very important character in the film, of course, is the person who puts Oppenheimer on on the Manhattan Project in the in the first place leslie general leslie groves played by matt damon and he's the guy who's like yeah i trust oppenheimer enough to ignore the fact that he's a commie and put him on the thing even though technically oppenheimer was not a commie he never officially joined the party he just had close connections to them there is there is a difference in a wild piece of casting that i didn't know until just now uh well hold on, let's just let's just go over this uh Oppenheimer, of course, assembles a whole team of uh, some of the uh, the finest uh, physicists uh, uh, in in the world, including Jack Quaid as Richard Feynman. Although I'm going to be honest, I didn't realize that was Richard Feynman until just now, and uh, I I uh, I don't know. Every time I've heard people describe Richard Feynman. I kind of imagine him as being a little bit more of a blunt asshole, but maybe that's older Richard Feynman because this is this is very he, Jack Quaid is playing uh, young Richard Feynman, and then you got Devin Bostick as Seth Niedermeyer, Josh Peck, who I am told is from Jake and Josh, as Kenneth. Ah oh, shit! Of course, Google's going to cut off the rest of the name. God damn it, Google! Just take me to the name, Kenneth. What Kenneth? Kenneth Bain? What? Oh, there is Bainbridge. I could have guessed that. God damn it. And of course, Josh Hardnett, David Jasmalchian, whose name is not listed on Google, whose character's name is not listed on Google for some reason, which is bizarre because he's exceptionally important to the last act of the film. He's also one of those scientists, uh, but he is, he's a snake, snake ass bitch. Um, the credits also list a character called, uh, played by Emily, Emma Dumont, who plays a character called Jackie Oppenheimer. I'm going to be honest with you. I have to, I, I, I don't know who that is in the film. 
I don't know where her character shows up. I maybe the old adult version of one of Oppenheimer's kids. I'm not sure. Quick edit here. Um, while I was doing the editing for this video, I realized who Jackie Oppenheimer is, and it's very obvious now in hindsight. Um, Jackie Oppenheimer is Oppenheimer's brother's wife. Beg your pardon for the confusion. Of course, he also has to bring in his brother, who is an avowed communist, played by Dylan, uh, played by Dylan Ar Arnold. That's Frank Oppenheimer, and uh, the character named Benny Safdie plays Edward Teller, and Kenneth Branagh plays Niels Bohr. Gustav Skarsgård plays Hans Beth. Jason Clark. Oh, I know that's that. That guy's not a scientist. There's a lot of scientists, and actually, as I'm going through these names, I'm, I'm losing track of who, who are the scientists who are not the scientists, but there's a, it's a very star-studded guest cast, and there's a shit ton of scientists. Shit ton of scientists in it. Played by uh, some very well-known people and some lesser-known people. I should also note, uh, I'm not sure if I just have some earwax buildup, but that movie also may have made me deaf. Deaf. Yeah, I'm not deaf. But, Opp but uh, Robert Oppenheimer is, of course, become deaf destroyer of worlds which i really like the way that was first introduced in the movie i didn't see I, I would not have expected that as the film continues we are introduced to uh who could be considered the antagonist of the story uh various members of the unit of the u.s military industrial complex who are who are definitely who are definitely kind of the bad guys of the movie kind of the bad guys because the whole gist of the movie is, really, is that once upon a time, Robert Oppenheimer makes the bomb. After making the bomb, he's kind of like, I regret making the bomb. Not just because it killed people. In fact, arguably, he's one of the reasons it did kill people. However, and this is, this is the big thing here, after he sees how the government and the military react to the existence of the bomb and how effective it is, he uh, loses faith in the entire projects. Oh, Rami Malek also plays a scientist, David L. Hill, who is, his character sort of just is in the background in the, in the earlier parts of the film, but like is very, very important in, in the last act of the film. I also want to say that there is a, there is clearly a black scientist working at the Chicago branch of the Manhattan Project. And, uh, <clears throat> he is not in Google's cast. Just, I'm just just throwing that out there, Google. Uh, what 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 the fuck is that? You you got people who played oh James Urbanaki plays Kurt Godel Go Godel Godel I think it's Godel. But uh, you don't you don't have the one black scientist in the movie here, Google. What's what's that about, Google? What, what what you doing? I understand that he's not a bigger part, but you have some actors here who you didn't think were important enough to say what their character name was. And a couple and a couple of the congressmen who don't even have names. That's right, Google. I'm calling you out. Whoever makes your cast list things, I'm calling you out. Well, as I was saying, we're introduced to the antagonists of the film who are mostly part of the industrial complex. The only person from the industrial complex who is kind of a good guy is, of course, Leslie Groves. But even he, we see the restrictions that the military industrial complex puts on him 
as a person as the film goes on. Michael Caine's in this movie? Who is Michael Caine? Okay, it uh, Google is claiming to me that Michael Caine is in this movie, but it's I, it's not showing who he played, and I don't remember him being in the film at all. So I'm just going to ignore that for right now. Oh, oh my God, I almost forgot to mention this. Tom Conti, who I'm, I'm not really familiar with, but uh, in this movie, he plays Albert Einstein, and uh, he does a good job. The Albert Einstein stuff, Albert Einstein stuff is, is pretty fun. Well, I, maybe fun's not the right word. It, it, most of the Einstein stuff is talking about the end of the world. But the military branch of the movie, like I said, you got Matt Damon as Leslie Groves. Dane DeHaan as Kenneth Nichols. Kenneth Nichols is a officer who is highly, um, he, he does not care for the, he does not, he is one of the people who thinks that there is not enough security on the Manhattan Project. And uh, he's, he's not a great guy. Dane DeHaan does a good job of being a Weasley, Weasley dude. <clears throat> Casey Affleck plays Borish Pash. Um, this guy is only in a little bit of the movie. But it is, but it 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 definitely he is a psychopath, and the film makes sure that you know this. Sadie Stratton is in the movie, but I'd be lying to you if I told you I understood who. Oh wait, no, no, I still don't know who Sadie Stratton is in the movie. But I was confusing her character with Lewis Lombard's character, uh, who is who according to this is Ruth Tolman. But I'm gonna be honest with you, I saw her. She she appears in the movie a number of times, and I could not figure out who she was uh who she was supposed to be in terms of the overall thing it's not a big part though i think she's part of the, one of the communists but anyways <clears throat> really really google you listed a member of the janitorial crew crew here but you you couldn't you, you list a guy who played a janitor but you couldn't list the one black guy what what the fuck what the fuck and the black guy was a scientist with dialogue, Jesus, Google. Also on the team, on the team of the bad guys and the villains of the story. And yes, I will. I, I do think of them that way. We got Jason Clark as Roger Rob, a guy with two first names. You can't trust them. Am I right? Is a is the insidious prosecutor trying to convince everybody that uh, that Robert Oppenheimer does not deserve his uh, security clearance? Q level security clearance, by the way. Some other, oh my God, I almost forgot one of the most important scientists in the movie. Uh, David Krumholtz, who you probably mostly know from, uh, well, uh, the Santa Claus and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Uh, but he plays Isidore Isaac Robbie, who is one of the first scientists to befriend uh, Robert Oppenheimer. And he, he does a great job. Uh, no, I don't know if he put on weight for the part or not. James Darcy was in this? Is Patrick Blackett? I forget your character, man. I'm sorry. Oh, Jefferson Hall plays Hakan Chevalier. Hakan Hakan? I do not know how you're supposed to pronounce two A's in a row. Probably a Scandinavian thing. I don't want to give too much of the movie away, but the film is, in my opinion, phenomenal. Just, just great. I mean, it's, it's damn good stuff. I just have to say that. It is damn good stuff.
and that it's never boring it it has an intensity that it somehow manages to sustain for the entire movie and there's a shocking amount of there's nothing in the movie i could call an action scene like i don't think anybody even gets into a fist fight um but there are a lot of moments of like suspense and tension and lots of visual effects not and most of them uh not computer generated my understanding is that the explosion in the movie is real or at least they filmed the real explosion when they were when they were making the movie but also robert oppenheimer is also constantly seeing visions of quantum mechanics it's very it's very visually the movie looks good is what i'm saying and i do encourage you to see it on the biggest screen possible now i didn't feel like driving to cincinnati or michigan to see this on 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 imax partly because you know i'm poor so i had to go see the poor man's imax which is i had to go see it in xd at the theater near my house and uh yeah that uh I, I don't know if what I'm missing. If I don't know what I'm missing from the true IMAX experience, but uh, the diet IMAX experience was pretty good too. I will warn you: this movie's loud as hell, loud as hell. I mean, it is. It is a movie about a nuclear bomb. There is one scene I want to talk about that is spoilery, so I'll put that in the spoiler section here in a minute. But oh, the film also uh, in, in a prominent part has. Alden Ehrenreich. Ehrenreich? I don't know. He played he played Han Solo in that Han Solo movie. In fact, actually, the picture of him on Google is him standing in front of the Han Solo poster. Interesting. But uh, he plays the aide, Robert Downey Jr.'s Strauss. Uh, he, he does a great job. I mean, to be fair, he doesn't have the most complicated roles in the movie. But uh, with his key moments, he, uh, he capitalizes on them. He does a good job with his... Uh, he has a couple of key moments. Also, I might be pronouncing Florence. Is it Pew? Puh? I actually do not remember how I said it at the beginning of this recording. I, I thought she did really good in the movie. And not just because she's hot and naked. Hilary Murphy also gets naked. J just to be clear also, I I don't know if I made this clear earlier, but uh, Emily Blunt does not do a bad job. Emily Blunt does a great job. I'm just saying, I don't know the way her character is written, how I would need to know more about her as a real person to know how I feel about the way her character is written, is, is what I'm saying. Still, she does a, a great job with the material. The film is visually spectacular. Even, even just them walking around New Mexico, you can see the pollen in the air. It's, it looks good. Some people might want to bring earplugs because it, it, it is loud as hell. I have, to, I have to emphasize that. But yeah, Oppenheimer. I gotta, I gotta recommend Oppenheimer. I recommend trying to see it on the, the biggest screen you can. Whether that is the poor man's IMAX like I saw it on, or an actual IMAX, it is worth the thing. Side note, Northeast Ohio needs an IMAX theater. Okay? Michigan or, or Cincinnati, that's, these, these are the distances we have to drive. Like, seriously, the, it, Michigan is closer than Cincinnati. I don't actually know how far away the IMAX in Michigan is. I just know there is one there because I saw some people on Facebook go into it. The point is that Robert is that Oppenheimer is great. I highly recommend it. 
It and Across the Spider-Verse are currently in the running for my movie of the year. I don't know which way it's going to shake out yet, but I can tell you this. Out of all the movies I've seen this year, they are definitely movies worth seeing on the biggest screens you can see them in. I mean, absolutely. Do recommend seeing both of those movies on the biggest screens you can, because they are worth it. All right, thank you for listening to Ruben Uncut. Please like and subscribe wherever you are tuning in to this fabulous piece of content, because that's the language we use now. And uh, if you're listening on Spotify, then please make sure you check out the YouTube. And if you're listening on YouTube, then please make sure you check out the Spotify and other podcasting channels I'm available on. Channels, what the hell do we call them? Podcasting services? I don't know. We need a real word for that. There might be one. I don't know what it is. All right. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers, now is the time to stop listening. All right, the people who didn't watch the movie Gone. All right, just you and me. Okay, cool. So I got to say, there are some key moments that I can't not talk about. First of all, first of all, um, the whole thing with Einstein, the way they set that up, where we see Einstein, where there's that, we see Strauss's memory of of Einstein and, and Oppenheimer talking. And then... When, uh, when Einstein leaves, he's so depressed by the conversation, he doesn't even look at, uh, at Louis Strauss. So now Louis Strauss thinks that, that Einstein hates him. And I love the moment when uh, Han Solo there tells him at the very end after he's been denied his, his cabinet position by Congress, Strauss can't stop fixating it. The whole thing about how, oh, Oppenheimer turned the scientists against me. And San Solo's like, you know, did you ever consider that maybe they were talking about something that wasn't you, something important, or something more important than you? I can't remember how he words it, but it's a great moment. And then we get to see how the conversation actually went. Then they weren't talking about Strauss at all. Robert Oppenheimer's just telling Einstein that he... Th- that he thinks the chain reaction is still going, that the chain reaction wouldn't be the explosion tearing through the atmosphere like they originally feared, that the explo- that the chain reaction would be amongst society and civilization itself as they built towards nuclear proliferation. That that moment, oh, it, it's 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 a it's it's a great ending to the film it's it's a fantastic it's it really hits you with the by the way everyone nukes are bad okay like that's that's the deal it's 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 oh it's fantastic uh another great scene that i can't uh i can't get out of my head is the scene where he is going to uh basically to give the the we successfully bombed the japanese speech to all the scientists and like there's a clear conflict in Oppenheimer throughout the last part of the film, which is that he does not want the other scientists to feel the guilt and shame that he feels because he feels like he may put them up to it. So he basically gets in front of them and tells them, hey, did a great job, patriotism, go America. 
But the whole time we're seeing him pause in between these things and we're noticing that the sound isn't working for him, that the people are clapping, but he's not hearing it. He and like he starts to have visions and the visions he has of the audience where he sees people's faces, like the skin being torn off them. And he sees and on his way out there, there are couples making out and laughing, but he can't see the people who are laughing. He when he looks at them, they're crying. And as he's walking out of the building and he sees that guy vomiting and he's probably vomiting because he's drunk, but Oppenheimer isn't thinking drunk. Oppenheimer is thinking radiation poisoning. It's such a great, it's, it's a fantastic scene. It's a fantastic scene. And the way the sound cuts back in like the new, just so that it plays out like the explosion of the nuclear bomb for him, the vision of the empty seats as nuclear winter rains down on them. Oh man, it's just, there's so much. There's so much in that one scene. It's fantastic. I fa just absolutely stunning. And the powerlessness that you feel in Oppenheimer's interrogation. Oh, chef's kiss, chef's kiss to that. And then you got Robert Downey Jr. Like for a good portion of the movie, you don't hate him. But then the film throws it at you that he is the source of Oppenheimer's suffering, that he did go after Robert Oppenheimer. And suddenly, like, the real him just comes out at you. Just excellent work, Mr. Mr. Downey Jr. Excellent work. Do we call you Mr. Downey or Mr. Downey Jr.? I'm genuinely confused on how that works. I should have talked more about this, but the film's message is about uh, left, the persecution of leftist political ideals. I do think it's super important, especially in this day and age, when it feels like we're having some type of right-wing uprising based on like almost nothing. Okay, was there anything else I felt I really wanted to talk about in the uh, in this, uh, this spoiler section? You know, I think that's the big ones. And I uh, I need to get this... I need to get this video out there. So uh, thank you for tuning in here and uh, have a great rest of your whatever. Like and subscribe and shit.